Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Sunday! It's the Lord's Day. It is. It's the Lord's Chips Day. It's the Lord's Chips Day. Yeah. You know, though, we, we did have chips and salsa at youth on, on Wednesday. I'm trying to find different themes for every Wednesday night. Okay. So the week before okay. was, since it's Christmas season, I thought, oh, cookies and milk, milk and cookies. That was great. They okay. loved it. This last week was chips and salsa. I think next week is going to be cheese and crackers. How did they like the chips and salsa this week? Oh, they loved it. I mean, we, we had a variety of salsas and chips. Man, it was it was great. Yeah. A variety of chips. Chips. <laughs> Dude. Okay. Love my son, Luke, to death. The kid brings Cheetos and guacamole in his lunch to Ooh, school. Like that's what, what he, kind of? Oh, he, he he loves it, man. He just, hey man, I'm okay. He he's eight, so he can do what he wants. Yeah, that's fine. I I yeah, I pray for his salvation early and often because <laughs> he will do. He's got eclectic tastes. He'll do anything for a laugh too. Like he's kind of that mm, personality. All right, so all right, appreciate that. Hey, uh, it is a couple of birthdays today. First, Daniel Ooh. Giotti is turning nine years old. Happy birthday, Happy Daniel. Happy ninth birthday. We are excited to have you as part of our church family. Almost and, double digits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope you enjoy this. Indeed. It's uh, final single digit year. Wow. It was a big deal to turn 10. I don't remember it. Yeah. I just remember that concept though to be like, ah, yes. Do you remember your 10th birthday? Do, do, okay. How early can you remember? What's your earliest memory? Uh, see, that's so hard because I've seen like videos growing up. Yeah. And you can't tell if it's a pseudo memory. Right. Okay. If it's been implanted. I see. I have faint memories of the home that I grew up in. Like when I was three, four, five, six years old, mm. um, mm. like little vignettes. Yeah. Vignettes coming down. Like I remember walking down my stairs, things like that. I remember my backyard. I remember I had an inflatable soccer goal that had a bell on it. Mm. When you scored it would ding. Like I remember little things like that, but mm. I don't remember massive events of my childhood. Yeah, that's, that's hard. I, I wish I, I wish I had that. And think about this. Our kids, they will They will have that. Totally. They'll be able to relive almost all of their young lives. Daniel's going to be able to be like, look at my last nine years of my life. <laughs> right. I know all of it. it basically. It's right on iCloud. How many thousands of pictures are there of every single person that's been born after the year 2008? I mean, yeah. basically the advent of the iPhone, 2007, 2008. Yeah. Probably so much petabytes. Anyway, that was the first birthday. Happy birthday, Happy Daniel. birthday. We got another birthday though. Two. Two more birthdays? No. I mean, there's two birthdays. Yeah. Two total. Okay. I was like, wait, I only know of one other one. Maths. One plus the one? Yeah. Last time I checked. We are wishing Rob Kelly a happy birthday. Rob the Killer Kelly. Da, 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 da. Is that that his name? That's his. I mean, no one really knows it. And those who do don't know it for long. Yeah. Rob Kelly, He it's his birthday today. So wish him a happy birthday. Man, you, you will find Rob setting up the stage, setting up electronic equipment. You'll find him early Sunday morning. Yep, because he's he and Sarah are there, and he's always helping set up stuff, and he doesn't draw much attention to himself. No, he's so a good dude. He's gonna hate this. We're thankful for him. That's okay. Happy birthday, Rob! Happy birthday, Rob! The we, Killer Kelly. We should sing Sarah Happy Birthday again, though. In did honor we even of Rob. do that? I don't think we did. I don't think we even sang to Sarah. Yeah, we should do that. Man. When you guys see them on Sunday, wish both of them Happy Birthday for again. sure. We don't want to overlook. Sarah. Really loves as much as Rob doesn't like the spotlight. Sarah loves. Sarah the desires it and craves it. Yeah. In a in like a humble way though. In a very humble way. Yeah, for like sure. Exceedingly humble. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get into uh, Hosea. Hosea. Uh, 
Hey, chapter five, six, seven, and eight. Man, that's a lot of Jose. That's a lot of uh, uh, of Jose. Uh. <laughs> yeah, um, chapter five. This is uh, punishment is uh, is coming as you see in the ESV title for Israel and Judah, and so this is now the focus is like I said, this is a, a prophecy that's to both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. I alluded to it last week that uh, or yesterday that even though they were warned, hey, leave Judah alone, that was not going to go well. Um, because Judah was going to end up joining in with the sinfulness here. But look at verse three. I know Ephraim. Ephraim is the northern kingdom. Israel Israel is not hidden from me. For now, Ephraim, you've played the whore. Israel is defiled. Look at verse four. Their deeds do not permit them to return to God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. I, I read that. And demonic. I, yeah, it sent a, a shiver down my spine. I mean, this is the, this is the depth, uh, no pun intended, of the depravity. It's it's not an external thing. It's not about cleaning the outside of the dish. It's about the inside. This is what Jesus confronted the Pharisees about. He said that your problem is not the external. You're whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside. It's not about that. It's about you got an internal issue, which is true of all of us when it comes to our need for Christ. The need is not external obedience. The need is not to show up at church. The need is not to read your Bible more. The need is, is for God to do a work inside us, to renovate us, to uh, to cause us to be not just uh, window dressing, but to, to be made new internally. And that's right. the whole point here. And Israel needed that. Judah needed that. Uh, their sin went deep. And the the danger is, in it said, hey, Judah will also stumble with them in verse 5. Judah was going to follow right behind them in their footsteps. And we've we've seen that already. You might notice Ezekiel's refrain in the, on the bottom of verse 4. They know not the Lord. Uh, yep. The whole purpose of the, the punishment that Ezekiel spoke about, the prophecies that he gave, were that they might know the Lord. Yeah. And here you see the reason why it was so urgent and essential, because they don't know him. That is scary. You're right. We ought to be men and women of the word so that we don't fall prey to the same issues. Although, you know, if I think about the Pharisees, they, they knew the word, yep. but they did not know the Lord of the word. Um, any encouragement on, on our part for how we can be faithful Bible readers and yet not totally miss the point like they did? Yeah, I think doing what you're doing right now, listening to a podcast, I think having a good study Bible, I think asking good questions of the text. We were talking about it in our community group this week, just kind of the three-step approach to scripture. You've got observation, interpretation, application. And that's helpful when we come to any text to make sure that we're not just letting our eyes glaze over the words and moving on with life and not doing anything about it. We want to observe what do we see in the text. We want to interpret what does the text mean, and then we want to apply the so what question. Okay, what do I want to do with this throughout the the day? What do I need to to do in response with my life, with my behavior, with my attitudes? Reading through Psalm one nineteen with my family in the the mornings right now, and uh, in in uh, hate. The, there's the section there where he says, you know, I'm, I, I promise I'm going to keep your, your word. It's a resolve that he's beginning with each day almost to say, I'm going to keep your word. And, and he says, you know what, I'm going to hasten to do it. I'm not going to delay. It, it, he's painting the picture there of coming to a fork in the road and going, am I going to, what am I going to do? I, I have the opportunity. Am I going to obey God? Am I going to disobey God? And he says, I'm, I'm not going to pause long over those decisions. I want to hasten to, I want to speed towards obedience. Mm. And so that's helpful for us as we think about our time in the word, man, we're doing this to be better equipped to be able to go out and navigate this world around us. Yeah. And that really comes back down to our knowledge of God. If we know him, we're going to want to do these things. If we trust him, we're going to do the things that he calls us to do. Right. Right. Verse 14 is a pretty terrifying picture. I will be a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I even I will tear and go away and carry off and no one shall rescue. I mean, picture that coming face to face with a young, ferocious, angry, hungry lion. And God is like, he's, he's telling them, this is who I am. And uh, this is how I will judge. 
Chapter six, then you get into a, uh, a vision of the future repentance there of Israel in the first three verses when it, it, I've always loved this sentiment. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us that he may heal us, struck us down that he will bind us up. There's a, a restorative element to God's discipline. He's disciplining for a purpose. And there's, again, the hope that there's a future still, even though the judgment is coming, he's not going to be completely done with them. And I love verse three. Let us know. Let us. I love this. Press on to know the Lord that idea that we're going to keep moving forward in our knowledge of God. To your point, Pastor Rod, their indictment was they didn't know the Lord. There was no knowledge of God. Here the prophet is anticipating this future repentance saying, let us press on to know him. We need to know him. He's there. He's available. Let's make sure that we do know him. Yeah, so as not to beat a dead horse too much, although this is what the scripture is doing, so I think we're we're in good company here. Second Peter 3, uh, end of Second Peter 3, uh, Peter says, let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our commission. Like No matter how far you are along with him, you still got more depths to explore. Don't give up. Keep going. Yeah. The indictment in verse 4 is uh, is chilling as well when he says, what, what should I do with you, Ephraim, northern kingdom? What should I do with you, Judah, southern kingdom? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. It's, it seems like it's there. You open the door in the morning. It's cold, out, especially these days right now in Texas, right? It's cold. Sometimes we open up the door. There's dew on the ground. There's frost on the car, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then by midday, it's gone. It's completely gone. It's like, okay, you get, I, I'm, I'm there with you in the morning, God, but then I'm done. And, and that's a danger for us as well, church, is, is not to think that just because we wake up in the morning and do our daily Bible reading, wake up in the morning and have our quiet time, that we're good for the rest of the day, that we don't need to bother with God the rest of the day. That that's that's like this is here. It's it's we need to be faithful to him, and I'm not pressing too far into the idea of the the morning too. But it, uh, so often our quiet time is in the morning. We need to carry that with us throughout the day because our devotion is not meant to just be this external act of obedience, but it's meant to stay with the Lord throughout the day. Yeah, and that's exactly why verse six is so important. He says, "I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice." You might remember that Jesus uh, refers to this passage here. He, he does. We God desires the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings, and that knowledge is not a mere head knowledge; it is a relational knowledge to have a, a relationship with God. Even as you talked about, I think it was last weekend, Pastor PJ, uh, about having a true relationship, a real and a genuine relationship with God, and not one that merely fulfills the external regulatory uh, offerings, but is rather a matter of heart, uh, an expression of faith. That's what God wants from us. That's what our Bible reading is. We're reading in order to know God better. We're not reading it as a means to an end, but as a means to knowing God and to loving him better. Yeah. Yeah. Verse seven is interesting, but like Adam, they transgress the covenant. So it's reaching back to to, uh, the, the, the relationship with Adam. We're talking about that. In fact, today, this Sunday at church, we're talking about uh, why Christ is necessary as the second Adam, the son of Adam. And it's because of here, what he's indicting Israel with, you're repeating the sins of Adam. And we understand that that's true because of the sin nature that all of us inherit from Adam. He was our federal head, our representative, that when Adam sinned, we all sinned and death spread to all men, as Paul says in Romans 5. We're going to talk about that this Sunday. But here, Hosea is saying, hey, we're redoing the same things with Adam. What does that mean? We're sinning against God. The covenant there, there is no Adamic covenant, except that God said, here's the command, don't disobey. Adam broke that covenant. Same thing going on here with Israel and Judah. Here's the law, don't disobey. Israel and Judah broke those commands and those covenants. 
Chapter 7 then continues his argument here in his indictment of Judah. And uh, he says in verse 2, they do not consider that I remember all their evil. Sometimes we can fall prey to that too, church, right? We think, okay, uh, yeah, I know I sinned. I never really dealt with that sin. I never confessed. I never repented. But you know what? It's been a little while now. I'm sure God's forgotten about it. I can just move on with my life. No, I think this is the opposite of David in Psalm 139, where David says, search me and know me and see if there's any grievous way in me. This is a mindset that says sin's not that big deal. We can keep moving on. And God says, nope, that's not it at all. And, and I, I don't forget these things. And then in verses four through seven, he compares them to the, the heat of lust, to this idea that man, they, they, they're just acting impulsively. They're acting on what they want. They devour their rulers. The kings have fallen. None of them calls upon me. They are, at the end of the day, unrepentant. Verse 10, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. They do not return to the Lord their God. Uh, this is a, a just a, a, a continual blow after blow after blow of just a bad picture. Verse 13, woe to them for they have strayed from me. They do not cry to me from their heart. They wail upon their beds. There's the earthly sorrow that we talked about just a, a little bit ago there from Second Corinthians chapter 7 as well. They're wailing. They're sorrowful over judgment, but it's not a, a brokenness. Two thoughts here. Number one, you're probably wondering at this point as you're reading through your Bible, okay, I've seen this before. I've, I've heard this before. Uh, I've read stuff like this before. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why is God repeating himself so often? And I think that there's a, the first reason is this, this is God's heart toward us. God is not a passive God who's just hoping people come to him. There is a real pursuit that God initiates to wayward people. That ought to be comforting to you. Second, I think this is helpful for us, even as you read your Bible. If you're if you're prone only to read the New Testament, you, you might conceive of God wrongly. You might think of God only, and I think this, is, this would be an erroneous position too because the New Testament is filled with, with uh, verses that say the opposite of this, but you might think God is only is a loving God, only is a God who is love. And it is true that God is love, 1 John 4, but he's not only love. He, he has a holy love, and that love requires commitment. Uh, that love requires chastity, a, a united relationship that is protected from all outsiders and intruders. And therefore, as we read passages like this that remind us, A, of God's repetitive pursuit of Israel and Judah, and B, of his holiness, those two things ought to resonate in your mind as being, man, I, I don't think of God highly enough. I need to make sure I keep him at the top of my mind as being someone who's worth my attention, worth my repentance, worth my uh, my united heart, and secondly, to recognize that God has not given up on his relationship with you. Neither neither will he ever. There's no such thing. God, in Romans 8, promises that he will finish what he began in you. But just notice here, as you read these things, God has it there on purpose. Don't miss it. Yep. Helpful clarification there. Chapter 8, then, uh, just a couple notes here. Verse 5, uh, when he says, I've spurned your calf, O Samaria. So Jeroboam, when he went north with the northern tribes, erected two golden calves that he set up as objects of worship for the northern kingdom there. And so here's a reference back to that, kind of a call back to that. Even from that very beginning of the northern kingdom as a separate kingdom, they were walking away from the Lord. My anger burns against them, he says. They sow to the wind, verse 7, they shall reap the whirlwind. And then the ultimate indictment, verse 14, Israel has forgotten his maker. And that's that's really kind of the heart of, of Israel's problem, the heart of Judah's problem, the heart of so many of our problems today as well is when we forget God, when we don't live in light, quorum Deo, in the face of God day to day. Flip over to Revelation, another brand new book. Wow. This is the last one of the year, though. We're going to be here for the whole year, though. The, la- <laughs> the last book of the new, uh, the last book of 2023. Yep. In the New Testament, that is. And the last book of the New Testament. You were right on that, too. Revelation is called the Revelation of... John or revelation to John. And it's the revelation of verse one, Jesus Christ. 
So Jesus is the one that's delivering this through this angel that shows up to uh, be John's tour guide, so to speak, through a lot of this of what John sees here. But verse 3 is interesting. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it for the time is near. That's unique to this book. There is no other book anywhere in the, the Bible where you get this call to blessedness for reading it aloud and then hearing it and doing it. Um, and probably a lot has to do with the fact that that this is dealing with, with the ultimate end. This is dealing with what's coming. This is dealing with what's in the, the future. And we need to know it and we need to respond to it. Um, and so it's a, a helpful admonition there. He writes to seven churches in Asia. It's not that these were the only seven churches around, but these were at key locations. And we'll find out who those seven churches are down in verse 11. They're the seven churches that received the letters. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Those churches were on major trade routes or postal routes. So in writing to those seven churches, this letter was going to get out to many churches beyond just those seven churches. By the way, these are historical churches. There are different views on the book of Revelation. We believe that this is, these are historical churches that received historical letters that were actually written on behalf of Christ to these seven churches. And they have universal application to the, the church at large, which, of course, all the scripture does. So I guess it doesn't bear repeating. Uh, but I just want to draw your attention to the fact that these churches are not in Asia as we know it today. Uh, we'd call these churches Asia Minor. So we're not looking at Japan. Turkey region, yeah. Yeah, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. We're not looking at uh, China, Japan. We're looking at modern-day Turkey. So just quick note on that. When you, when you see the term Asia in Scripture, I don't think there's any time that it actually refers to what we understand as East Asia today. It's Turkey. Right, right, which, yeah, because— the, the global scene changes, right? Right. Yeah. Everything changes. Yeah. Well, one at the center of this vision in chapter one is the person of Christ. Uh, John sees one standing amongst these golden lampstands. The lampstands there are uh, the seven churches. The, they are representative of the churches. And Jesus is walking through these lampstands, um, implying that he is the one that is assessing them, that he is the one that is prepared to give judgment on them. And that's what we're going to see in chapter two, for sure, as well as chapter three. Uh, but in the midst of these lampstands is one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. This is interesting because we've just come out of the book of Daniel, mm. where in chapter 10, Daniel saw a vision of one very similar to that. And on top of that, you get the idea of the uh, the son of man uh, terminology and language, which is, again, a, a Daniel reference there, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 10 is where he sees this uh, this vision of the one. But the, the description is very, very similar. One of the reasons why we believe that Daniel saw Jesus back then, because clearly here, this one is Jesus. And it says he's holding the seven stars in his hand. The seven stars are the seven messengers, or we might even say the seven pastors of the churches that receive these letters that Jesus is writing. And he's holding them, implying that his is the ultimate authority over the church there. If they're the pastors, why does the text call them angels in verse 20? Angels from the Greek word angelos, which could mean angel as we think of a celestial being, or it could simply mean messenger. And so there, there, there are different interpretive positions on that. My position in particular is that these are human beings and not celestial beings, but uh, that's why they're translated as angels there because the Greek word is the word, same word that we do use for the word angel. Right. And we've also used that same word for messenger as well. Even within the ESV, I'm pretty sure you could find instances of that. But I agree with you. I think they're, they're, they're human people. They're, they're pastors. They're leaders of churches, and they happen to be messengers. Uh, but just as, as, you, as you read through your Bible, just notice that not every time that you see the word angel do we think it necessarily means angels proper, as in a reference to that, the, uh, 
the, the being of an angel, but it could be a messenger. Uh, right. In this case, a pastor. Right. Well, I think that uh, that covers chapter one pretty well. Um, Can I make just one one point here? Because you're yep. going to need this for later. Yep. Okay. When we get later in the book, just remember Revelation one eight. Jesus says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." Um, and it says here, it says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Earmark that, because we're going to come back to that um, later, because we want to know who this is a reference to. Um, and just earmark in your Bible, Revelation 22, 12, and 13. Awesome. Well, hey, join again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, and we'll catch you again for Monday. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.